Alright, hello ladies and gentlemen and whoever else may be listening. Uh, my name is Fran McMahon and this is my very first podcast, so apologies if this is terrible quality because I'm not too sure what I'm doing and this is the first time that I am using a plugged in microphone to my uh, recording device, <laughs> so hopefully it goes okay. So uh, my uh, podcast sessions thingies I'm not too sure what they are at this moment it's kind of a little bit of a winging it sort of situation but uh plan really is to uh review and commentate on various things like films tv shows books graphic novels anything that's kind of caught my interest at the time or has recently come out that I've enjoyed or not enjoyed depending on what sort of review it ends up being and uh, I'm gonna release the information of my thoughts onto SoundCloud where this one will hopefully have gotten up to if I was able to figure out how to use the editing software I've got on my laptop which I have never used before in my life so that'll be interesting trying to figure out (laughs) Uh, so yeah so the first one that I will be doing today is I'll be reviewing Turf Wars Part 1 from the Dark Horse comics. It's the continuation of the Legend of Korra television series. Uh, it, the story is written by the main co-creator, Michael Dante DiMartino, with some consulting by Brian Konetsko, which is a terrible pronunciation. Sorry about that, Brian. Uh, yes, the book was also drawn by Irene Co, who I follow on Twitter and is hilarious and sweet and everything. I can't remember her Twitter handle, but uh, if you're able to find her on Twitter, I'd say give her a follow. Alright, so I'm just going to get straight into it. So uh, when I first did my first read-through, the first thing I noticed instantly was how interesting and amazing Irene's art style was, because it, it was similar to the animation of the show in general but obviously clearly drawn by hand because that's how it would have been drawn but I kind of I like that fact a lot really because it it gives it this personal touch to the work like it becomes clear that Irene put so much time into it which you could see through her correspondence on Twitter like sharing little bits of doodles that she'd done for it or even little bits of starting images for the work itself and yeah it was amazing to see especially like the small little sequences near the start of uh, Korra and Sami's vacation in the spirit world which as everyone will know if they've watched the series obviously that that was where the final episode was leading to them going on a vacation together in the new spirit through the new spirit portal in uh republic city uh going on to the uh relationship between Cora and asami which just going to point out just because of some personal connection to it uh when i first watched the final episode of legend of Cora, and we have the scene with Cora and asami walking towards the spirit portal light after saying they would go on vacation together. The scene where they're walking towards it and clasp hands with each other and then turn to face one another 
still is locked in my mind of the best moment on television I've ever experienced. And I'm not ashamed to say, in fact I'm even proud to say, that on at 2am in the morning after binge watching the last two seasons on Christmas morning, <laughs> I was in tears over the beautiful moment. But moving on from that sad part of my history from 2014, I think that was, um, I'll go on to the presentation of Kora and Asami in the book. Um, so I suppose like it, it's a small little negative. Sorry, Co and Di Martino and uh, Brian. I'm sorry, I can't see your last name. I feel so bad. Uh, my only little negative is I don't feel that the relationship between Kor and Asami would have progressed that quickly and comfortably to be going from friends to girlfriends. Mainly just because it's their first relationship with someone of the same sex that we know of, of course, and possibly their first feelings for someone of the same sex. Like, in terms of my own personal experience as a gay woman, I'd definitely be a lot more kind of timid and nervous about getting into a relationship so quickly, especially at the start of my realisation of liking women. But I, I can definitely see where it was coming from, especially with Cora, in a way, because Cora's personality is very... She has this one course of thought. She goes with it until it occurs or until she realises probably shouldn't have done that that quickly or anything like that. So it kind of it made sense in terms of her personality and Asami's a little bit as well because you could definitely see the progression of... Asami's feelings towards Korra more so in like the third and fourth season but I still considered considering they were only on this vacation with each other for I think only a couple of days like it, it doesn't say exactly how many days but they do mention a few days so it was a short period of time until they announced themselves as girlfriends um what I did like afterwards though just because it brought in this realism for Cora's personality specifically, um, was kind of her bullheadedness for going and telling her parents straight off the bat that her and Asami were together. Just because like they kept close like close enough to the original show's portrayal of Cora's character, which can sometimes get lost in the graphic novel continuations of series that can happen or even in continued seasons of television shows you can lose the personality of a character which I'm really glad they didn't because this is such like an integral part to Cora's personality really just this ju just the bullheadedness really just because it's it's a big part of what's led to plot points throughout the show and just stuff like that so I did like that that happened but I also liked that she realised what she'd done to Asami was wrong with not really giving her much of a choice as to whether or not she wanted to tell Cora's parents at that point, if she wanted to come out at that point really. 
And so she apologised for this action, which I think was... It was a good thing that she did do that, because I think if she didn't, I definitely would have had a problem with it. But, yeah. Just, just the fact that they did confront the fact that she did this, and she felt awful for doing it after, it kind of, it redeemed that, that aspect of the story and Cora's character. And that Asami kind of, she realised that, yes, you made a mistake and I know that you made a mistake. And I forgive you for that. It was just, it was a great moment and I'm glad that they did put that into the end. Uh, put, put it into the end? Put it into the story. Um, going on t from the personality connections to the show that continued in the story. <coughs> um, I was glad that they kept the personalities so close to the show like with the, the the no changes between it so like with all the main characters with Cora, Asami, Marco and Bolin and all that sort of all those lot <laughs> um they they didn't change their personalities that much they were still the same character from the show which I was really glad for so Cora had her bullheadingness and but still incredibly caring for her friends and for her loved ones and all that sort of stuff. The Sami, she's still thoughtful and inventive. And an area that this is shown in the graphic novel is the situation with the refugees from the battle with Kuvira in the final season. So she sees that they still have no homes for them to live in. They've got nowhere to be able to build a life again after it was ruined from the war that occurred in Republic City. And the moment she sees this, she decides, okay, I've got to do something. So she starts designing homes and like places for them to live and figuring out where these could be built for them to move into so they would have somewhere to live, even if it was just a temporary build before their true their proper homes were rebuilt. But either way, it was it was a good thing to see in her character in terms of like the in the inventor side of Asami Sato because you know she she's an inventor that's that's who she is that's what she does and the fact that they do still continue that after in the book showing that she is she is this amazing inventor who goes out of her way to try and help people. It was brilliant, I really liked that. Um, again with Marco, his character personality was spot on in the graphic novel. He was serious all the time because that's pretty much what Marco is, he's a serious fella. He can't seem to kind of let loose that often, especially more so as he became a cop. Uh, he's still a cop at this point as well, he's the detective very very serious detective um, but he's dedicated to everything that he does whether it's being on the police force or being dedicated to helping his friends like he's he's still working as a police officer at this point when he's got his injured arm from like from the final episode of season four and he's still working away that is that is serious dedication and it's so realistic to Marco's character it's amazing uh, then we've got Bolin, and Bolin, I think, is what really kind of made one of the aspects of the graphic novel for me, because 
there's this like oh, it's just, oh, just I think it's just Bolin. I've I love Bolin. He's my, one of my favourite characters from Legend of Korra. You know, it's because he's this sweet, dopey, amazing, nice guy who goes who wants all of his friends and loved ones to be happy. He wants the world to be equal. He wants everyone to have this amazing life. And he goes out of his way to try and make that happen. Like during season four, obviously, he went about it the wrong way because he didn't realise that what Kuvera was doing was bad. He thought he was helping people. But now in the graphic novel, he's found a new way to help people by joining Mako on the police force. Now, admittedly, I don't think of Bolin as a police officer. It's mainly because it doesn't suit him as a character, just because just because of how he is. He's he's just such like a sweet guy that like that I know that's making it sound like I don't think police officers are sweet, that's not what I mean. <laughs> it's in kind of in comparison to Marco. Like Marco is just this really serious guy who make like it makes sense for him to be this police officer. Bolin, however, it just doesn't make sense for him to be. Like I I would have much preferred it if he was still a mover star and one of the fire ferrets and such. Because that like that made sense for him. Especially the mover star bit because he's such a dramatic guy. That being a mover star just made so much more sense. But like, I don't mind the fact that he's a police officer, because it's still pretty cool, and he's still his dopey self, even whilst being a police officer. But I think they could have definitely found a better way of getting a career for him that made more sense, really. But, uh, anyway, let's go on to the story that's going on in the graphic novel. So, the story's interesting, to say the least, with, like the civil unrest that's going on uh, in Republic City at the time between the gangs rising up to the Agni Kais and the Triple Threats, I think it's called. And there are a few other ones there kind of fighting over turf at this point that's been destroyed or separated by the spirit vines that have come in, the spirit portal. So they're having a turf war. <laughs> Title. <laughs> and... So that's going on at the same time as the unrest that's going on with the refugees who have been left after the Battle of Kuvira with no homes, missing loved ones, and just barely even surviving at all, feeling like they're, they've been abandoned by their city because the president at this point is up for re-election and that's all he's focusing his attention on, which... You know, sounds a lot like polit politicians in the real world, so that made sense a lot. <laughs> um, so as well as that going on at that point, uh, spirits and people are also clashing with difficulties and fights, like occurring between the two of them over whose land it belongs to, uh, and the people feeling like they kind of own the spirit portal. Uh, there's this one guy whose name I currently cannot remember which ah here it is one young uh i want to say kelly my i'm not wearing my glasses that wasn't a good idea to start reading when i'm not wearing my glasses but he's this guy who originally owned the land where the spirit portal is now and he believes that because the spirit portal is where his land is 
he owns the spirit portal and is planning on turning it into an amusement park which is insulting the spirits, is making them angry, making the airbenders angry because they want it to stay a spiritual place but he wants to profit on that with like allowing people to go into the spirit world for vacations ironically considering that's also what Kor and Asami did <laughs> um, so there's this, there's this big unrest that's going on between well, various different people. So you've got the turf wars with the gangs, you've got the refugees with no homes, you've got the president who's being unhelpful, you've got Kora and Asami trying to figure out ev how to fix everything, then you've got this guy trying to mess with the spirit portal, which is frustrating and upsetting the spirits who are attacking back. Um, there's also a, a new uh, gang leader that's come in that's... Uh, who no one really knows anything about, but uh, Mako is part of a team trying to figure out his identity and what's going on. But it turns out he is uh, kind of trying to take over the gang world um, after everything that's gone on. And in it, it the book ends on a cliffhanger with him having been messed with with a spirit who passed through his body and left him half spirit, half human. Um, similar to uh, what happened in the story of Wan in, oh, I want to say season two Avatar. I think, oh, yeah, no, it was season two Avatar, um, uh, where a man uh, had that happen to him with another spirit, where he became like half tree, half human. Um, and so he's deciding that he's going to take on the Avatar and he's... All, all this stuff. So he's basically going to cause a lot of problems in the second part. Which I believe comes out next year in June. But, yeah, the story is... Like, I'm really enjoying the story so far. To the point that I've reread the book five times already. Just because, like, I want to keep the information in my head for when the next part comes out which is gonna it's it's so far away I'm very upset that it's so far away because I want to know now what happens but um another part to do with the graphic novel which I'm just going to bring up just because it's really important to me that this is being done well and it's the development of the same-sex relationship which has never really been done before in children's literature or children's shows or anything like that and the fact that they're continuing it in the graphic novel confirming for definite that we have two women of colour who are bisexual and are in a healthy relationship is amazing and the fact that even though I do think the progression at the start was a bit too much the fact that afterwards Cora and Asami's relationship is obviously like developing incredibly well and it's it's progressing in a way that would make sense in the real world especially considering that they've kind of they've had this honeymoon period whilst they've been in the spirit world um, and after now coming back to the real world in a way both symbolically and in real life that's not a word I know I know I'm supposed to be a writing student, but I'm making it a word now. <laughs> um, so come back from Sunny Moon period, and 
are kind of settling into this new relationship. They've developed a few issues where they're not communicating as well, realise they're not communicating that well and kind of fix through that. Um, there's also kind of like, uh, like it's, well, in general, it's just, it's a real, r realistic portrayal of a budding relationship. And just the fact that it's also a same-sex one is brilliant. Like, you wouldn't, like, it's amazing that it's coming out in this day and age. And, yeah, I'm just really happy with it. And even better, you've got on two other canically, well, one of them is bisexual, and that is Avatar Kiyoshi. It was confirmed by uh, Kaya, uh, Avatar Aang's daughter, who also confirmed the fact that I'm, this is just an assumption, but I'm assuming that she is uh, a lesbian, just because she mentions a girlfriend, but she hasn't mentioned a boyfriend at this point. So, could possibly be bisexual, or even pansexual, like, uh, when it's confirmed, or if it's confirmed, uh, either one of them, that's still amazing. So that's four canically LGBT plus members in just one graphic novel. It's just, it's amazing. I'm so, well, they're not even just four. They've even confirmed that the Air Nomads, they, they all had various different relationships. So basically, the whole book has confirmed that same-sex relationships happen in the entire universe of Avatar. And, yeah, I'm just, I'm really, I'm happy with how the novels come out. And I hope you guys go out and... <laughs> by the graphic novel because it is amazing and I think you guys would love it for definite especially if you're Legend of Korra fans um yeah so uh <laughs> hopefully you guys didn't get bored of this well nearly 25 minute long reviewed podcast of Legend of Korra Turf Wars part one uh, I hope I haven't put you off listening to me in the future and I hope the recording wasn't awful considering that I had to have multiple drinks throughout. Um, but yeah, so I should have another one coming out in a month's time. They'll be monthly because I'm a third year university student and I don't have as much time as I would like to make more. But the next one should be sometime in November. And it will be on Magnus Chase, The Ship of the Dead, the recent release from Rick Riordan's various books, who I love. You just you should read Rick Riordan's books just in general, just any Rick Riordan book. But I'll be focusing on this one specifically as it was released on October 3rd. And just, you know, spoiler ahead, I am loving it. But I will have a full review of that in my next podcast. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Have a beautiful day. And I will see you guys in a month. Well, speak to you guys in a month. I'm going to go. Alright, bye.